1: Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturer of the finest knife heat treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com So welcome to Knife Talk. Now today we've got an amazingly talented young knife maker who, like me, mainly makes knives for the kitchen. So today we've got Timothy Ford from Sydney, Australia, who goes by the name of Ford Forged on Instagram. So hey Timothy, how are you?
2: I'm pretty good. Thank you for having me. Oh, not
1: a problem. It's really good to to hear different perspectives too, because obviously you're just at the beginning of your uh, your journey into making knives. So tell, yeah, us yeah. A, tell us a little bit about yourself, Timothy.
2: Um, well, I've been making knives for just over a year now. Um, I specialize mostly in Japanese kitchen knives, inspired by Japanese kitchen knives. I really like the styles and the Um, the function aspects of uh, knife making that they have. Um, It's about beauty, but it's also about um, using and making something usable.
1: Yes, yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, a knife to me is is a completely beautiful thing, you know, but at the end of the day, it's a tool completely. Mm. So, Mm. I mean, you're just 16 now. So tell us how you got into making knives. That's quite an unusual hobby for... For, for a young man who, you know, let's face it, most 16-year-olds are either taking selfies or making prank videos. So, so so how did you get into this?
2: Well, when I was about 13, I uh, bugged my parents for about a year to make charcoal forge in the backyard. And I never really figured out where my interest came from. I think I just watched uh, people like Walter Sorrells on uh, YouTube. And just really was inspired to make things because um, I've been making pretty much my whole life, just tinkering away in the backyard. And this was something that I could really get a hold of. And so I did a uh, basic basic blacksmithing course at Thawa Valley Forge uh, with Leela Haddad, who is also uh, a young uh, teenager like me. She's just a year younger than me, actually, and she's really talented she's a knife maker actually
1: yeah okay so you you say you've always made stuff um so what kind of stuff were you making before knives
2: um i always did a little bit of uh woodworking with my dad um and just um i did a few school projects with family friends i learned how to weld and cut steel from a young age um and just, just small little odd jobs. If there was something around the house that I could fix or improve, I'd try. Probably wouldn't succeed, but I had fun trying and making things, yeah.
1: Okay, so, I mean, you're probably five steps ahead of me. You, you've you learned to weld, you're forging, and I'm just doing stock removal. Um, so, if, if you've always been making stuff, does that come directly from maybe a family member? Have you learned from them? Is it, or is it just something that you've just wanted to get out and do for yourself?
2: It's mostly just something that I've wanted to get out and do myself. Um, I've always found that uh, there was uh, basic foundations I learned from my father and um, my grandpa, but um, most of the skills I've learned are from the actual knife making community in Australia.
1: Hmm. okay, that's interesting. so um, I mean community I mean, how does that work? Do you have Do you have
2: meetups
1: or is it sort of an online community?
2: Um, so we do have uh, Sydney Knife Makers Meetups. I don't go to them too regularly. But there's also the, um, the community we have on Facebook and Instagram. There's a lot of information sharing and um, really helpful tips and tricks that everyone sort of gives each other. It's not really a competitive environment where everyone's holding secrets. It's everyone pushing each other to make us, our knives better.
1: Yes, yeah. And and do you use any of the knife-making forums at all?
2: Um, I don't. I am part of the Australian Knife-Making Guild, though.
1: Right. Okay. Okay. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Now, I've I've noticed you actually exhibited at a knife show, too. So that's something I've yet to to do that. So so tell me about that experience.
2: So I attended the 2017 uh, Sydney Knife Show. And I sold 11 knives, actually.:
1: Fantastic. Wow <laughs> So So tell me about that very first knife that you made.:
2: the Very first knife. Uh, That's the
1: starter drug. That's the thing that gets you into it.:
2: Yeah, yeah, it is. I had a charcoal uh, brake drum forge that I made myself out of bricks, um, and that was a bit of a disaster. Blew out a hairdryer making that. <laughs> um, and I I sort of just hit a piece of metal a bunch till it was curvy. And then I filed it for too long. And, and then it was sort of shiny and not sharp at all. It wasn't heat treated, but it was just a starting point. And um, from there you know, I'd sort of told my schoolmates about it. And that's where my first commission came from, which is something I shouldn't take taken (laughs) on. But, um, it was this guy at school and he asked me to make this really, really specific knife with like, um, two edges on it. So one on the the main blade and then one at the tip at, at the top of the tip. Like a clip point. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I was way out of my depth. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's what you need.
1: It's the challenge that you need, isn't it? To to get you to learn something new. Yeah.
2: And it took me way longer than I expected it to make because I only made one knife before it. (laughs) But he was happy with it. And, you know, that's that's all that really matters, right? It wasn't heat-treated either. Oh, geez. (laughs) But... (laughs) (laughs) so it was was good it was good for butter
1: it was good for butter that's about it yeah it was it was so what do your family and friends think about think about the work that you're producing now
2: um now they're all pretty proud um uh, my parents like having sharp knives in the kitchen now (laughs)
1: let's talk about one of our sponsors Tormac. to get great razor sharp and repeatable edges you're going to need a Tormac. to find out more go to tormac.com. Which is T O R M E K dot com. Okay,
2: let's get back to the show. Um, that as well as family friends, um, they've they they were at first a bit um, nervous of a, a passion of knife making. Yes, um, but as soon as they saw how good it was for me to make things, they were really quite invested and happy for me to do that.
1: That's great. So so are you still in school at the moment? I am. Okay. And does school encourage you to take up blacksmithing? I mean, do they even teach this kind of thing in schools anymore?
2: Um, So I do woodworking at school. Um, And my my design and technology teacher is quite supportive of what I do, but um, they don't teach knife making at all, no.
1: Yes. Oh, obviously not knife making, but um, but you still get the chance to use tools and so on.
2: Uh, occasionally, yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, cool, cool. I mean, I grew up in the UK, and um, it's just been, from what I understand from from sort of youngsters now, it, it, it's less and less of using tools um, and more more oh, sort of th- more more sort of theory work. Um, so it's great that they, you know they're encouraging you to do this.
2: That, that's amazing. I think, um, there is still a basic standard, um, in schools, but it's more starting to lean towards designing things, Hmm. um, and like designing things for CAD and 3d printing and like milling and things like that. And those skills have their place and they're really important to learn, but the basic hand skills are, you know, where we have our foundations and where we really make, um, our own objects, um and i think schools are slowly uh losing that yeah
1: yeah yeah which is a real it's shame like a real shame
2: there was a lot more of it hmm.
1: so i'm not a blacksmith i'm just a knife maker and stock removal is my thing so the closest i get to changing the composition of metal really is, is just the heat treating process so if i wanted to get hmm. into hand forging billets of steel or or layering at my own damascus what words of advice would you have for a newcomer to blacksmithing like myself
2: Oh, goodness. Um, I've never actually <laughs> made Damascus of my own yet. I've done basic cable Damascus. Yeah. Um, for basic forging, get an anvil-ish object and a hammer and just go at it. Um, you know, you really learn from how the the metal moves under your hammer. Um, uh, once you get that plastic bit of metal and you shape it, to your will, you sort of you gain a superpower it 's almost like, and it's like <laughs> nothing else that you can really describe
1: that would be a great avengers, wouldn't it a metal man
2: would oh <laughs> man
1: <laughs> so so you've grown up with with social media and and obviously it plays such an important part in marketing work, so so you 're ahead of the game compared to a lot of them maybe the more established knife makers but but how else do you market your work
2: um well, a lot of it is word of mouth. Um, and then, uh, there's Instagram and I do a bit of Facebook. I'm thinking about doing, um, YouTube videos in the future, um, where I get to a standard of, uh, my work where I'm comfortable with showing everyone that finite details of it. Um,
1: I've just have just started doing that a few a few YouTube videos and man it's a completely yeah. different skill it's all about microphones and camera angles and it's you know it's it's a whole new thing to learn
2: hmm. it's crazy
1: and you look at the likes of you know Alex Steele and so on and, and his channels you just think the amount of work that goes into what he does is just just incredible
2: are you enjoying making YouTube videos sir? um. Uh, Yes,
1: um, but it just takes a lot of time. And, it, you know, it's certainly nothing that I'll, you know, consider doing, you know, you know to the to the degree that, you know, some of the bigger names do. But it's just, you know, every now and again, you do something, you think maybe some, somebody could learn from this. So I'll just sort of document that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so, that, so that's the whole purpose of it, because I, I don't think it's much of a marketing tool, really, because I don't think, you know, potential customers wouldn't really come across that. It's just really other knife makers, you know.
2: Yeah, well, I guess right now that might be the case, but there's definitely a lot of people who don't make um, knives and still like watching the process of doing things like that. Hmm. Yeah. But I, mean, I guess my, my question for you is, what what t- tips and tricks do you have for making YouTube videos? Um, From your experience.
1: Yeah, well, I'm no good at it, but <laughs> what I'm finding is, difficult and what I think makes a huge difference to to any video is, is audio quality. Um because quite mm-hmm. often, I mean, I watch a lot of YouTube videos and quite often I'm doing something else, so it's it's the audio really that I'm picking up on. Um, but a workshop hasn't obviously doesn't have the best acoustics, you know? Um we've got lots of shiny surfaces, um, lots of stuff to sound to bounce and reverb around. Um, so it's it's pretty difficult to get a really good audio. So I really admire you know the, the likes of Alex Steele and and Jeremy from Simple Little Life who do these great videos, but um, the audio is just as good as the as the, as the visual
2: aspect too. Mm. Mm. So but yeah, that's where expensive microphones come into play.
1: It is, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, for the podcast here, I use quite an expensive condenser mic, but that doesn't really work well for video, having this big sort of mic and shield up in front of your face so uh so yeah so i think clip-on mics are maybe the way to go but um, yeah they can be so so expensive
2: mm, they can be hmm.
1: just like setting up a workshop <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, so another tool. it's another tool exactly exactly so i mean i ask this to everybody but um if you're anything like me you've got this huge shopping list of things that you want to buy for this perfect dream workshop so so what's on the list what's on your list
2: well, I had the sort of fancy out there induction furnace sort of ideas, but they don't really come into the practical sense. Mm. I guess um, for more practical uses, I'd really like to buy a uh, a disc sander. Mm. I found that um, getting surfaces really flat would be made so much easier if I had one of those Um also, basic candle shaping is a lot more uh, easily done on those sorts of disc sanders.
1: Yes, yeah. I mean, what I'm using, I'm, I'm using my standard sort of belt grinder, my, my 2x72 for both steel and wood at the moment. So I'm using different belts, obviously, mm. for the wood. Um, but mine doesn't have a uh, – you can't change the speed on it um so quite often you oh, that's to, what you need exactly you've got to be so careful that you're not going to burn the wood which i've done on you know numerous occasions um so mm. when, you, when you try to sort of sand that off you find that the burn is actually deeper than you think and so on so so yeah i'm totally with you i i completely need a, a sander specifically for wood too mm. so 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 tell me about your process do you work on commissioned work or do you have a load of knives and then try to sell them how does that work
2: So I used to make um, just knives as I go because I didn't really have too many custom orders. Um, So I just make knives that I wanted to make. Um, But the business has sort of picked up a little bit and I've been getting quite a few custom orders. Um, So most of my time is spent doing those. Um, It's also getting that balance between school. Um, But then... Uh, there's also the, the knife shows that I go to, so I also quite enjoy making those one-off projects as well, just for those shows to sort of show off what I can do to lots of people, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and do you have like a core cool range that you try to replicate each time, or is each knife completely individual?
2: Um, I do have a few basic um, designs, um, so just your common chef's knives and things like that. Um but apart from that, um, it's all pretty different. Um, handles are usually quite different. Sort of just like experimenting with different grinds and things like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. So, so you just mentioned actually about it. It can be difficult to fit this around schoolwork and so on. So, is that the plan after school? Is it? Is it to make knives, or do you have a different career in mind?
2: Well, I'd like to try going full-time for a year after school, sort of like my my gap year. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Um, and sort of see how that goes and see if um, my business grows from that or fails from that. And if it's you know successful from there, I don't see why I wouldn't do it for more than a year.
1: Yeah, um, that's a great but if idea. It's yeah.
2: not, if it's not quite enough, then I'd like to um, go into carpentry and still use my hands and make things here.
1: Okay, cool, cool, okay. So, I mean, you've been doing this for a little while now. Tell us about some of those mistakes that you made at the beginning.
2: Oh, the mistakes.
1: Um, have you got all your fingers, I Max, guess when if, you've still got ten fingers. i
2: still got ten fingers. i still got ten fingers. Well, got 10 <laughs> fingers. I, <laughs> that's good, that's good. I have good. sanded the tips off a few times, <laughs> um, but nothing too major. Um, the mistakes are usually... Um, warping and cracking of knives. Um, when I first started, my quench tank was just a like a, a baking tray sort of thing filled with canola oil, mm. and it overheated really quickly, and it destroyed knives like you couldn't believe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had, like, fractures going through half of the knives that I put out, and oh. it just wasn't good enough until I... I contacted Karim, my mentor, from Thawa Valley Forge. He was like, mate, what are you doing? Get a bigger quench tank?
1: <laughs> well, weirdly, that, that's something that I've been going through this week. So I've been having just yeah. a, a lot of uh, bends and warps in blades just over the last couple of weeks. Mm. And I couldn't really work out why. Nothing has changed in my setup. Um, but I just think, yeah, I think I need a bigger quench tank. Um, so I had a great tip, actually, from, from Jeff Fader, who I've interviewed in the past on the show. Um, with regard to warped blades so it's that old classic of you know put it in a, in a vice with you know three maybe drill bits or something that you can just sort of bend the, the warp back out um, but what he told me and I I wasn't sure if it would work but it seems to work really well is a really sort of flat bar quite a thick flat bar um, you mm-hmm. put your knife on that clamp to there um, just using a penny mm-hmm. or a coin where the bend is so you're sort of over correcting slightly um, but then put mm-hmm. that into um into the temper oven the whole the whole rig into the temper oven to do a temper um and it yep. puts, it puts a lot less stress obviously on the blade as as it 's straightening um and it 's It's fixed every time so um yeah so thanks jeff if you're listening that's it's it's really helped me out so i 've had about seven or eight knives over the last maybe ten days um and they 've all been slightly bent or warped in some way um so yeah so I just put them through another temper cycle. On this little rig, and they're all straight as an arrow. So um, hopefully somebody else could find that as you know of use too. Um, so what now, if anything, are you struggling with? Is is there anything which you, you know you're really sort of hitting the wall with, and you're thinking, oh man, how do I get through this?
2: Um, so I recently bought a uh, radius platen to do S grinds on my kitchen knives. Nice, um, and I've ruined. I've ruined a few blades by making them too thin and overheating the centers of them Right. so they have big holes in them. Um, and so I've been, I've been really having troubles with getting that right, getting that uh, S-grind correct, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and again, so sort of overheating on the platen. Um, I can't remember who had one, but I saw a video with somebody when they had a, a, like a water-cooled platen. And that was amazing. So you have these tubes on the back of the plate, which pumps water around, which keeps your plate nice and nice and cold. Um, so that's going to be on my shopping list too. <laughs>
2: mm.
1: So it's an expensive hobby to get into, especially at such a young age with steels, belts, finishing papers, wood, et cetera. So, so where do you tend to get all of your consumables?
2: So when I first started, I really uh, relied on the generosity of my parents and um Thaw Valley Forge. I got materials from them. And um, then I, when I started selling a few knives here and there, I bought um, proper steels from Gamaco, artisan supplies um, in Sydney. Right. Um, And Dimitri actually talked about uh, artisan supplies run by Corin Lockhart. Yes. Not Lockhart. um, Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always ask this question because, um, particularly me in a rural area, it's always hard to basically just find consumables. So everything I mm. get is basically shipped from the states. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that there's people listening who may be in your area and they think, "Aha, let's go there instead." Okay, that's cool. So, so where do you find your your inspiration?
2: So, there's a a bunch of um kitchen knife makers in australia actually um people like dimitri um who you've interviewed before yes Um, there's also mert tanzu and um knives um those guys are pretty good um there's also tristone and they're all really high quality um chef's knives japanese chef's knives and things like that um and their quality is just astounding and it's really amazing to see what they do and it's um it's always pushed me to make my knives a bit better just to try and get even close to them yeah Um, yeah
1: i mean i've got a few as well when i see and i just think man i just need to give up i'm never going to get that good you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) don't have that defeatist attitude you'll get there you'll get there
1: one day one day (laughs) So so you talked about people's work who you've been admiring,
2: but where can people see your work? So I have an Instagram, which is Ford Forged. You can also find me on Facebook, which is Ford Forged again. Um, and my website is www.fordforged.com.
1: <laughs> Man, I should have guessed each one of them. <laughs> It's pretty good. <laughs> so so you're sort of specializing in kitchen knives at the moment. Is, is that something that you really mm-hmm. want to sort of um, concentrate on, just kitchen Continuing. knives?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've cool. never really had an interest for any other sort of knife. Um, I just like making things that will be used every day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, kitchen knives is just because I'm so greedy. I'm always in the kitchen. So yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's a tool for me to use every day. Um, but also, I mean, you know, I, I've always been from the UK, just very recently moved to France, where laws are slightly different with regards to sort of knives that you can carry. Um, but mm-hmm. specifically in the UK, you can't really carry a knife and, you know, there's no need to carry a knife. Um, but I know we've got a lot of, uh, listeners from the US, um, and, you know, carrying knives, carrying guns is, is part of a the culture there. It's very different. Um, but here in the UK, um... They're trying to put a bill through at the moment where they one of one of the areas of the bill is that people won't be able to post knives anymore. Um, I
2: saw that actually.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you you can understand sort of why they think that is a good thing because it stops you know youngsters getting hold of knives and all the rest of it. But you know, let's face it: if you want yeah. to get hold of a knife, you go to the kitchen, pulling out of the drawer. Um, but it's mm. becoming a problem for knife makers uh, delivering to the UK um, because they won't be able to do that. Um, so yeah, so everybody's got the fingers crossed that this bill doesn't get passed um, but what what's the situation in australia can you can you post knives can you carry knives what's what's
2: the situation there so for posting knives it's pretty relaxed um, you just have to have them packaged properly and then you know the government doesn't give you any issues for that with carrying them um, you're not allowed to carry knives out in public unless you have a a reason. Hmm. And that reason can be things like entertainment. Um but if a police officer pulls you aside and says, Why well, have you got a knife? You say, I'm a knife thrower, they're gonna give you a ticket or <laughs> take you to jail. So <laughs> So I think we're both
1: on the safe route really making kitchen knives, aren't we? They've got a purpose, they need to be in the kitchen and um and they're being used every day. Yeah. Okay, cool. So people know where they can find you online. Um they they've heard all about your um your beginnings into knife making. Tell us tell us about your style specifically. What sets your knife apart from from others?
2: Well, I like to use um materials that not many other people use. So, I've been using a lot of dyed maple burl from a Australian guy who makes it um and it's this really beautiful coloured timber, and um, so it's just your general uh, stabilised wood, but it's also got purples and greens and all sorts of amazing colours. You can get it really however you want, yeah.
1: Nice. So it really makes that wood pop, then I assume.
2: Mm, It does.
1: Yeah. I've I've just started sort of stabilising my own wood, um, and I've yet to experiment with dyes. But some of the effects that I've seen are incredible. What some people are doing there. And your your choices of steel, um, do, do you tend to use the same steels over and over, or do you experiment? How does that work?
2: So recently I've been exper- experimenting with um, the new stainless called Nitro-V,
1: hmm.
2: um, if you've heard of it. Yes, um, yes. I've been sending it off to heat treat elsewhere, um, so I've been making knives out of that. Um, I've had pretty good results with it. But for my high carbon steels, so I just use um, 1075, yeah, which okay. is just a, a basic high carbon steel. It's quite tough. Um, and really, I don't see any issues with using that for kitchen knives because it performs. And if it performs and it's good enough, um, I would like to I would like to experiment with other carbon steels. Um, especially when I start moving into Damascus and things like that. Um, But for now, 1075 is my way to go.
1: Cool. Okay, that's cool. Um, So how do you test
2: your blades? So for the most part, it's uh, people using them um, and people giving me their feedback. I've uh, given my knives to chefs around in Sydney, and they've... uh, tested them and given me feedback on that um but then i also use them myself in my own kitchen and um i do occasionally snap a blade in half to look at its grain and things like that um beat against wood to see its edge retention and things like that yeah
1: that's disheartening isn't it (laughs) testing (laughs) a blade to destruction when you put so much work in it it's like ah (laughs) Okay, so thank you so much for your time. Um, it's really good to hear you know, other people's perspectives on, on making knives. Um, and for somebody so young to be so knowledgeable, you know, I, I've learned a lot from you. Hopefully others have too. Um, thank you. So again, thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we we'll speak again soon.
2: Thank you for having me.